Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. Today we are doing our September book club book. We're going to be discussing With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. And so before we get into that, we just wanted to take a minute to share a couple of things with you. We're super excited to have a merchandise store now where you can um, purchase some merch that we are already enjoying on our end and um, and love you know getting to see we have a new logo and so we're excited to share that store we're using T Public and if you go to unabridged.com you can see the merch link there so check that out and also please take a minute if you have a chance to rate review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts that helps us so much um, but yeah we're going to jump right into our discussion I also wanted to mention that next month our book club book is going to be The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls by Anissa Gray. So please join us for reading along with that, and we look forward to discussing that in October. All right, so we're going to jump right in with with The Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. And uh, like normal, we'll just start with what you all thought, general impressions. Jen, you can go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I absolutely loved it. I think, so this is the second, well, it's Acevedo's second book, so this is the second I've read, and I, I love this just as much. I think her writing is beautiful. I think her sense of who teenagers are is right on. She gives them credit for being intelligent, thoughtful people who sometimes make mistakes. I, I did think, I, I connected a little bit more with the poet X just because I don't cook, and this one is very cooking-focused, so while I appreciated all of her beautiful and vivid descriptions. I didn't connect with that part as much, but I thought that Amani's character was so strong that I connected with her, even though she was so passionate about something that I have no passion for. I do like to eat, so that part of it <laughs> I could connect with. But yeah, so I really, really loved it. I liked it as well. I, I don't know that I liked it as much as Jen. I loved Imani, and mm-hmm. I listened to this on Scribd, and Elizabeth Acevedo reads it, and to hear the characters and her take on the voice of mm-hmm. each character was really, really interesting, and she's an excellent reader. You know, sometimes you listen to a book, and the narrator just isn't quite up to snuff, yeah. but she is excellent, and she gave all this texture to each of the characters when she um, voiced them so I really enjoyed that part I think for me I loved all the food stuff because I also Mm -hmm. unlike Jen I really enjoy cooking when I have time I do not enjoy the the flying home from work and cooking type (laughs) thing but when I have all the time in the world I love to cook and so I really enjoy that part that part um I just didn't think that it's it was kind of anticlimactic for me. I liked hearing about the story, but I just wasn't compelled to turn and flip the pages. Mm. And I think also part of that 
I had just come off a book that was super compelling and a super page turner and super plot driven. And I just wanted to read, read, read to find out what was going to happen. So having come, come off that book and going right into this book, I feel like maybe that tainted a little bit mm-hmm. my experience with this book. But I did enjoy it. And I think it, it's a great book for young adults. And it was a pretty fast read for me. So I liked it. It was solid for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think? Yeah. Uh, so I... I mean, I think I'm kind of in between you two. I what I what I loved about it. I loved that Amani is a team mom, mm-hmm. and that it represents her as. We're just saying, uh huh, at we, the same time. Yeah, so. sorry, <laughs> we weren't laughing at you. <laughs> it's been a long day. We're in so school, I'm sure. <laughs> so I loved that she is a great mom, mm-hmm. and that she is commanding and wants the best for her daughter. And has a clear sense of her life and her pathway. And I just feel like in real life, the moms that I have known who became moms as teenagers, that is representative of. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that it's often represented that way in literature. I mean, I think that what she speaks to, I think that those attitudes that she talks about in the book that Acevedo shows Imani talking about where, you know, the stereotypes that the girl is easy, that mm-hmm. she must have had this very sexual life are often untrue mm-hmm. she shows that that's mm-hmm. not the case but that mm-hmm. Imani is burdened with that mm-hmm. and I also think that people think that they are always you know that teen moms are going to be really irresponsible mm-hmm. and that they made this bad choice and now they're going to make this series of bad choices and I just think that the book counters all of that mm-hmm. and I loved that that she is balancing because I think that is what it is like as you grow up is that you do have to balance your own passion and ambition with the things that you want for your family. And, of course, that is significantly intensified in a situation like Amani's where mm-hmm. she also is caring for her toddler daughter and having to make and, – and for Abuela mm-hmm. – and having to bear responsibility for both her grandmother and her daughter. I mean, I think all of that was great. I loved that. I loved the relationship with Malachi. Mm-hmm. And the trepidation that she felt <clears throat> about getting into a relationship with a guy, I thought all of that was just so genuine. So those things I really enjoyed. But like, and I loved all, like all the stuff about the cooking. I did that part. I I found really satisfying because like Sarah, I really love to cook, and so I liked that part a lot too. And I also loved looking at a teenager and seeing how the passion becomes. A pathway yeah mm-hmm. and I loved that I thought all oh, that was beautiful but like Sarah said I also felt that though I loved all the characters and didn't want bad things to happen to them mm-hmm. it also felt a little bit like there were there's just not a lot it's a very it's a linear trajectory mm-hmm. there's not a lot of deviations in the plot and nothing it feels like nothing bad happens and I don't want bad I things to happen say, so I think my one criticism and I feel ridiculous saying this is that she is really perfect yes mm-hmm. and she does not make any mistakes in the time of the book yes Mm -hmm. so she may consider having had sex her freshman year a mistake and she doesn't ever say it that way Mm -mm. but even if she did during the course of the book she makes no errors and so i love that because i think she i think acevedo deliberately does that to counter the stereotype against team moms but i also felt like everyone makes mistakes and so that she has such a handle on herself and on her relationships 
And, and same um, with Malachi. Yeah. He is also right. perfect and doesn't make any mistakes and yeah. is so patient and so understanding and so head over heels for her. Yeah. And it's hard. It, it So there were parts where that was, like, hard for me to believe that that right. happens. But you want that to happen. So I, like, I, that's the say, thing I had no is, problem with it. But I do think that leads to that anticlimactic because yeah. in order to have that right. kind of feeling, she, she had to have messed up something. And so, yeah. Yeah. I, for me, the, the biggest tension was between her and her dad and her and Tyrone. And yes. even the tension between her, between Amani and Tyrone was handled so responsibly. And yeah. she just was so understanding. And just, mature. mature yeah. With this yeah. maturity that, I, I mean, I hope that. I would not have that I kind would, of a yes, right? yes. I, I think well, about myself. his mom treated her. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my goodness. goodness. Well, and even at his. <laughs> it was horrifying. Yeah. So well, there, there's a rest tension there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's an example. But that is an example of, you're right, Jen, that, like, the thing that was different between that and some stories that are more plot-driven mm-hmm. is that even in that moment where she was so wretched to her, inexcusably wretched, yes. where Imani... Should have, yeah, just spiteful and in in an already very stressful situation. And Imani had every right to explain herself Mm -hmm. and to, you know, state her side of the case, and yet she didn't. And again, Maybe there are kids that are that, maybe there are Mm -hmm. teens who are that way, but I am not that way. I I would have run my mouth, and there would have been a conflict that would have been a lot bigger Mm -hmm. than the person being unkind. So I think... I appreciated that. And again, I think that you're right, Jen, that it's speaking to, it's countering mm-hmm. some of the portrayals of that type of character in other stories that I think is part of what's at work there. And it's also that Acevedo, and she does that. I mean, I think, I remember that. I haven't read the Poetics in a while. But I felt like, I think that she, as an author, gives her characters the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. A lot of the time. And, and has characters who are good people who want to do the right thing and the kind thing. And I love that in her mm-hmm. stories. But then it does sometimes. In this one, it made it feel a little bit flat. Even mm-hmm. though, like I said, it's not like you want bad things to happen to these great characters who already have hard circumstances. Right. Imani has a very hard set of circumstances that are stacked up against her. But, yeah, she is very she's very perfect. Mm-hmm. Far more perfect than I would be in the situation that she's given. Mm-hmm. So. And I think even with Tyrone, Elizabeth Acevedo also kind of was battling a stereotype mm-hmm. of a of a you know, Imani described him as kind of like a player and that he kind of played her, but then that that at one point he comes back and he wants more time with Emma and that and he has the apartment and he has the job and I I can see but it did not seem as true to his character from what ha- yeah. my, yeah, you know what I mean true. it seemed a little out of character to me yeah. not that I and again not that I didn't want it to happen right. because I was like oh look he's he's trying and yeah. she needed that and you she know, needed it was the break it. that she needed at the time that she needed it but that. it just seemed <laughs> a, it seemed more for the battling of that stereotype right. than for to staying true to that character mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially given the context of yes. his family who made all these excuses mm-hmm. for him and blamed her and saw her as the cause of the, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the whole situation. the way he treated her mm-hmm. during her pregnancy. When she was telling the story of how he treated her during the pregnancy and he and oh about you're as big as a house, what yeah. do you expect and all this stuff. I... Yeah, he's he's oh, wretched. Yeah. Again, I mean, again, that is a situation where the conflict is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just didn't escalate in the mm-hmm. way that it might. Yes. Right. 
because Amani is so level-headed, and then yes. because he has this change of heart. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, in the part where he, that whole part, I mean, I, I loved that on the one hand. Yes. When, because, yeah, of course, because, again, we want what's going to be best for her for and characters. for Emma. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it was such a surprise, because then when he said the thing about how his mom, Mrs. Palmer, had right. said that he needed to step it up and that kids were expensive and all that stuff. I mean, again, no evidence from right. us that that could be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though we want that to be true and right. hope that it is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, some of that, it, yeah. I mean, it just. Yeah. I will say, for me, it was still a page turner. Like, this was almost as close to a one-sitting read as I can get with my life. Like, I just could not put it down. I thought it was so, so good. Hmm. And so, despite all of that lack of conflict mm-hmm. and her utter perfection, I still really wanted to know what was going to happen next. And I wanted to know if she was going to raise the money for her trip. And so there were enough little, mm-hmm. not even suspenseful moments, but questions mm-hmm. that I wanted to find out the answers to that I was still compelled forward. I don't know if I'd had to spread it out over a longer time, if I would have had that same reading experience. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes that concentration mm-hmm. does favors for the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Helps it move a little yeah. faster. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you all think? Let's talk about the cooking glass a bit and what you thought about that. I love any, just, I love, I love cooking. I love to, when she was talking about chopped and uh-huh. be Bobby flay and all of those shows, I watch those shows. I love the food network. So I really connected with Imani with her love of cooking. And I, I grew up in a family that, I think I've said this before in the podcast, but that, uh, like, the love language of my family is food. Mm-hmm. To, like, when people are sad or happy or there's something to celebrate, it, it all revolves around food. And um, I have this kind of rich tradition of different things that my, my grandmother made and my mom makes. And there's just all these things. So when she's describing, although I don't have uh, a Puerto Rican heritage, mm-hmm. when she describes the foods and the connection to family... Uh, it really resonated with me, and I I love the magical realism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I have read that in other books too. And I always really I like that. I like that that a cook or a chef has the power to affect someone's yeah. mood with their yeah. with something that they love like that. I mean, we could, but I think that that is something that can happen with a piece of art. And I think about cooking the same way. So. I, to me, that's kind of believable, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. magic that certain people have to put mm-hmm. in what they're making. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm beating on the table. Sarah's beating hands. on the table over sorry. here. <laughs> but I really liked all of that. So the cooking and her love of cooking and the way that the chef that taught the cooking class, uh, Chef Amadi, the, is that nope? Help. That's the one in Spain. Oh, Chef um, um, Aiden. 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 Mm-hmm. Sorry, two A's. Sorry, Chef Aiden. Her teacher. The way that he demanded mm-hmm. her, even though he saw all of this talent, the way that he demanded that she follow the recipe, and the way that he explained that, I just loved yeah. that whole dynamic. I love that too because I thought so. She went in assuming that she had very little to learn because she was so talented. And so she always wanted to tweak the recipes, which in her life in general had been very successful. But then he explains, if your recipe says this and it doesn't have an ingredient, and then someone comes in your restaurant who is allergic to that ingredient and you've been moved to put it in there, that is a problem. So I I thought that he took the time to explain that Mm -hmm. to her. And she is still outraged and sulks and starts skipping the class. I guess that is a mistake. I was going to say, that is a good example of more of a... 
an imperfect behavior yeah. that you would expect in real life. Yeah. Right. yeah. And she's just going to skip the class because yeah. she's mad. <laughs> but she doesn't but quite she, want to drop out. Right. You know? But she's also not going to go. And then when she humbles herself to go yeah. back, again, I thought, yeah, her yeah. maturity is pretty astonishing. But I, I loved. So even though the cooking class itself wasn't, yeah, even though I don't cook, therefore, you know, I identify with things that I don't do all the time. But that one, for mm-hmm. me, is just, I don't love it. And so it's hard for me to imagine people who do. Uh, <laughs> even though there were two sitting right here. I got myself. <laughs> it's hard to imagine why you love it. But, um, but yeah, I, I liked all of that because I think so often talented people aren't able to convert their talent into something meaningful because they're not willing to put the work into it and because they assume that it's just going to continue to be this instinctive thing instead of taking the time to learn the rules and the technique behind it. Mm-hmm. So when he yeah. said, you have to learn the rules before you can break them, I thought of writing because mm-hmm. that is something I, I used to tell my students that, sure, you can play with sentence structure, but you need to understand it first to know why you want to break it or... So I thought that that mm-hmm. part I really enjoyed about the class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what you said, Sarah, about the love language and just that. I loved where she did. She prepared the anniversary dinner for Angelica yes. and Laura. And how sad is I mean, just the fulfillment that she gets out of making people happy mm-hmm. through her food. I just think all that's amazing. And I loved, I loved everything about the class because I felt like that is the classes that we want kids in high school to get to experience as Mm -hmm. ones that do translate into real life experiences that are in the vein of what they want to do with their lives and that give them the real world experience that they need. And Mm -hmm. so, and I just thought Chef Aiden was amazing. And I loved how, even though he is a relatively minor character, we see all these layers of Mm -hmm. him as she learns more about him that show that he's really remarkable and that he's this person beyond who she understands him to be mm-hmm. and I just thought all oh, that was really rich because I think that you know so often that happens that you think you know something about someone and then come to find out all of these things that he had all these remarkable experiences as a chef and that he had traveled to these places and you know that he like all of the stuff that she realizes in Europe yeah that I just think shows how how fortunate she is to have him and also how he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's talking about. And so I just thought that was really great. Mm -hmm. So Sarah, when you talked about the love languages, it made me remember when Malachi calls her on Christmas and sings to her. And she says, I just cradle the phone and wonder at the different kinds of gifts we can give one another. And I thought that was really beautiful because I do think you see the people in the novel trying to find the things that they can give each other. Like her father has Mm -hmm. let her down in so many ways and yet she is trying to open herself to him to just appreciate when he is there and what he does for the community, even though for her, he has not been the best father, she can see that he is really good in other ways. Mm-hmm. And so that, I thought that was a, a lovely sentiment that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about her dad. So Julio comes in and out. He, she always talks about how he sort of vanishes at the time that he is ready to be gone. And Buela is his mom. So, you know, in a lot of ways it seems that, I mean, that, that's another area where there is some tension. Because mm-hmm. she, Imani feels a lot of resentment toward him. But Buela, her Buela, Gloria, does not have that same tension. A lot of times there is more patient with him. And I just wondered what y'all thought about all that and how that stuff evolves as the novel progresses. I love Buela. Mm. I, 
I just thought that for she was just she was just precious yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. She just had that feeling of home. You know, mm -hmm. I thought that um, Elizabeth Acevedo gave her a lot of depth as mm -hmm. a character. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like I knew her as well as Imani, mm -hmm. and she wasn't. You know, she mm -hmm. wasn't in it as much as Imani, but you just could feel her. The different things that she felt for baby girl and the things mm -hmm. that she felt for Imani and the way she felt about Julio. And I think that the fact that she decided to raise Imani and all the sacrifices she made, I just, I love that whole dynamic. And I thought it was really interesting how much leniency she gave Julio yeah. Yeah. because she was, because he was her son and that dynamic between Imani and and Buela mm -hmm. regarding Julio was really interesting. Mm -hmm. It was interesting to see how it played out in the end, and um, just the whole the whole time that we we learned about it in the story. I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she offers a lot of grace mm -hmm. to people. Like, I think one of the things I love so much about her is that she enables Imani to be independent mm -hmm. and and helps her figure out her strengths and when how often she can stand on her own feet. Like, and Amani says a couple of times that she kind of wishes sometimes Buela would step in more mm -hmm. with Emma because, you know, it's overwhelming to have a kid. Yeah. We all know this. Yeah. And so sometimes you do wish somebody else could step in, mm -hmm. but then you see how much she comes to appreciate the fact that um, Buela has made clear that Amani is the mom mm -hmm. and then Amani is in charge and Buela's there to support her, but not to take over. Mm -hmm. And so I, I sort of feel the same thing with Julio that, Buela is there to, of course, she would love for him to come back, I think, but to encourage him to come back when he can mm -hmm. and encourage Amani to take joy when he's there from his visit. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think that's where that comes in, that she just has this realistic view of people and their strengths and weaknesses, and she doesn't expect people to change. I do think, I mean, I had a lot of resentment toward Julio for a lot mm -hmm. of the book, but mm -hmm. when he talks about the pain of seeing... What's Amani's mom's name? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, where they were together mm -hmm. and that that's one of the reasons he doesn't feel like he can live there permanently. I thought that was... I still think he should have been there for his daughter. Yeah. But I did think... I found that scene to be moving. I did too. I think I still was kind of like... I think that in contrast to Amani, who is so selfless right. and so young, mm -hmm. it's hard because that still seems a little bit... Like for his up. own benefit yeah. and so maybe not I think selfish is a strong word for it because we can't judge grief and mm -hmm. speak to what people have to do to survive but it is hard yeah. to yeah. think that all that time has passed and especially because you know we're on her side I mean right. we empathize with her so much that but I did I mean I, I think especially the thing that I thought was really healing about that for her was him was him opening up about why he didn't eat her food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how, again, when you think that her food is her love, her tangible love for people, mm -hmm. and then him refusing to eat it all that time, that that is a major part of the resentment that she has toward him. And I did think that that particular component, even though she might still not understand him deciding not to be in Philly, that that alone Mm -hmm. would would be feeling very healing for her. I really liked at the end when he comes back and he says, I know you got a lot of changes coming and I was thinking maybe I could stay for a while this time and help you with Emma and the bills. That could work, right? 
while you get used to what's coming next. So he still is not, is not going to stay. But anyway. Yeah. And she says, and maybe the trying has to be enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I just think that is one of her strengths that yeah. she tries to take. I, I think she learned that from Boyla. Boyla, yeah. That she tries to take what people can offer without resenting them for what more she wants but can't have. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was really beautiful and yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah, and I I loved also you were talking about Sarah how well we knew Gloria, mm-hmm. and I think that what I loved all of that about how she needed time for herself and yes. she needed to be herself and she needed a space in which she was a woman and not just a mother mm-hmm. and then a grandmother and then a great grandmother and I think <coughs> that all of that was really powerful because I think that I felt like I knew her. Yeah. And then there was this whole other side to her well, that I think we needed to see. Yeah. Well, and I think as as with us as being women and mothers, mm-hmm. we can probably see Buela's point yeah. of view yeah. more than anyone's because, you know, a lot of times moms and need that time yeah. to feel like somebody other than a mom and a wife right. and, a, you know, all yeah. the things that we get titled. And... Also, I think that Buela would have done anything for Imani. She would have done anything for Julio. She would have done anything for Emma. Mm-hmm. And so I think as moms, we feel that way toward our children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we can relate. Or right. I'm speaking yeah. for us all, but I, I at least yeah. for me, I and feel like I can really relate. she's still not giving up herself. Right. Like, yeah. that she's giving you can anything do both. to them, but still maintaining her own identity. And yeah. that she felt that tension, that she yes. wasn't sure, that she held, withheld that information about her relationship <laughs> for, you know, and so that precious. she was, you know, <laughs> debating how it was going to, you know, she waited until she knew that it was something substantial and she mm-hmm. was ready to say that mm-hmm. she was going to make this change. And so I just really loved all of that because I think that it shows that while she had all these responsibilities, she also had to continue to be a happy and whole person Mm -hmm. and find a way to do that. And I just thought that was all really rich. Um, I wondered about what you all thought. I just thought that the book spoke a lot about shame Mm -hmm. and just identity Mm -hmm. and how our identity can be defined by other people. And I just wonder what you all thought about that topic. Yeah, I really liked Imani's response to other people trying to figure out who and what she was, her ethnicity, her heritage. I thought she, there were some great scenes in the book where she is thinking about how complex she is and Mm -hmm. how complex her heritage is and that she gets really frustrated when people are trying to simplify her so they can understand her. Mm -hmm. And she just, yeah, she just is, is resistant to that. And I think the same thing with her being a teen mom, that people are trying to oversimplify her. Ashley, you talked about that at the beginning, that they think they know her because they see this external thing about her. And then we see her as this complex human being who has a lot more going on than just being Emma's mom, even though that's a huge part of her identity. Mm-hmm. It's the same, same with Boyla. I yeah. think mm-hmm. that's one thing about the book that everyone, even uh, the girl who goes on the trip, Pretty, Pretty Leslie. Leslie. <laughs> Even Pretty Leslie has more to her than the superficial part that maybe I don't like so much mm-hmm. at the beginning mm-hmm. because of the way she is with Malachi and with Amani. Right. But then you start to see that there are some reasons for that. And so I think that's a real strength of Acevedo's mm-hmm. is just giving us this glimpse of people. So we judge them, too. And then we're showing that our judgment isn't complete. So yeah. how can we judge the people in the book for judging? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a lot of judging in that sentence. Sorry. But. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, and I think a lot of times 
teenagers and also adults judge someone on one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They see the one thing. I mean, and it can be a variety of things, but you see the one thing and you are defined by that one mm-hmm. thing by right. others. And I think that she shows in this book that it's just not, you know, I feel like we know that it's not fair to do, yeah. but she demonstrates why it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I really appreciate that, especially it being a, a YA book for young people yeah. to read it yeah. and understand, especially what you were saying is her, the com- complexity of Imani and her heritage and that she is just not one thing right. and she is proud of all the things she is. I think that's a really good I think that's really important, I should yeah. say, to have in a YA book, yeah. especially during these times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, there were, uh, I feel like there were a lot of quotes like this, but one of the ones that stood out to me was when she says to Malachi, when, when Pretty Leslie outs her, basically, about her daughter, mm-hmm. and she's thinking, I'm not ashamed, but it's my story right. that I should have control of. And she just says, I've had a lot of things to feel ashamed about, and I've learned most of them are other people's problems, not mine. Mm-hmm. And I just love that because I think that, and again, you think about when, when she and Pretty Leslie talk things, Leslie, we don't have to call her. Anyway, <laughs> but she calls her uh, that. She does. Time, she so. does. But when, when she and Leslie have the heart-to-heart, you know, as much as they're going to, and she sees her as a person, yeah then all of Leslie's assumptions about why she carries herself a certain way or acts a certain way are knocked down mm-hmm. because even even Leslie's understanding of Amani is totally based on what she thinks she knows. Yeah. And whereas Amani doesn't think she's better than other people, but she's had to learn to carry herself in a certain way in response to this whole context that we as readers understand. Right. And like you said, Jen, I just think that's a real strength of Acevedo because that part is just really rich to mm-hmm. see the character development – and the way that all of the characters we come to understand in different ways mm-hmm. than we think we know them, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty amazing. Um, I yeah, I thought I thought about the. I feel like it touched on that, and then you all said about. I think she talks a lot about culture, mm-hmm. and I really liked that. I mean, but all subtly. I yeah. mean, I think it's it's woven really masterfully throughout the story. But there is certainly a sense of Amani coming to understand herself in the world. And so I really liked that. And then I thought that it was interesting, like, when she was in Spain and there was the commentary on Christopher Columbus and colonialism and the oppression that that, like, the role of oppression and all of that and how that is glossed over by history. I mean, I just thought all of that was really interesting and, again, great for kids, Mm -hmm. for young adults to read. Mm -hmm. Because I think that then they see a teen who is working out all these things for herself. Right. Yeah, so I didn't know what y'all thought about the Spain trip and um, just some of that stuff toward the end. I love the Spain trip because mm-hmm. it provided me with all the things I love, food and romance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that this was the first time we really got to see Imani kind of just let go. and yeah. We got to see her as a teenager more than this responsible mother who is trying to make everything work. I just, I mean, and I like that seeing that as well, but I, it was just nice for her to kind of go to Spain and get to see her a little less, you know, responsible, I guess is the Uh word, but, but not, but she wasn't irresponsible. She She just like encumbered. She was finally able to be a little less encumbered. Yeah. And I, and I really liked the whole thing with Malachi and I loved how, 
that's another one of the things that I liked, but also felt like it was super mature on both their parts, yeah. their their ability to talk about sex and mm-hmm. what they were willing and not willing to do. I love that, and I hope that teenagers are able to do that. Yeah. But it yeah. seemed very mature and progressive for yeah. for them to be able to do that. But I like that whole thing and the fact that she's like she's not having sex and she, yeah. you know, I just liked all of that. And I liked the talk about the stretch marks and mm-hmm. that her body still even though she maybe lost her the weight that she gained when she had a baby that her body still shows that mm-hmm. she's a mother and the fact that he was okay, you know, that I mean I loved all that. You yeah. know how I am about the romance and I just thought that was so precious. Uh not maybe not as realistic as I wanted wanted yeah. it to be, mm-hmm. but I I I mean I, that's the way I wanted it to be for her and Malachi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really thought that one of her biggest journeys through the book was to trust, and so I loved mm-hmm. it when Chef Amadi said, "Be good and safe, and oh, Imani, trust. Okay, trust yourself mainly." But the world, too, there is magic working in your favor. And I thought that because she's let down by Tyrant, she's let down by her dad, she's been let down so often. And mm-hmm. so I do think she has reason not to trust other people yeah. or to trust that the world is on her side. And so to see her begin to reach out to Malachi and to trust him mm-hmm. and to trust Chef Aiden and to see that there are other people who she can count on yeah. is really important. Yeah, I think that was really one of the big things for me, too, with the Spain trip, is the fact that she, when she got back from her first day with Chef Amadi, and she realized that Chef Aiden had put her in this position to have this incredible experience yes. and actually have be in control of the food and all that, and that the other people on the trip weren't having that experience, I think that... She, that she respected him so much and that the fact that he trusted her and knew the talent that she had. I mean, I think that was this huge turning point for her yeah. in terms of her her confidence and her ability to be a chef. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And gave her the confidence then when she gets back to go to the restaurant yes. and make a connection and, right. do, and do something for herself that, of course, is also long-term for her daughter, but that she felt like would take away from Emma but that she's willing to make that sacrifice because she trusts in herself mm-hmm. and that this other person can can offer her something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I felt like that was a, a huge area of personal growth and that she that is a part that really changed. You mm-hmm. know, she really changed in the novel with that because I just feel like she would have just stayed at the the burger joint. Yeah. Right? Was that what it's called? The burger mm-hmm. joint. That, you know, she would have just stayed there indefinitely and gotten walked on. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for all these things that came into play, they really helped her to transform. So I did love when her manager, whose name I can't remember, uh, Steve, is, yes, <laughs> is cutting down her hours, and she tells him that her Puerto Rican grandmother is going to pray for him. <laughs> and she, yeah, I thought that yeah. was great. There, yeah, there are some little funny moments that just tickle me. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, okay, so does anybody want to add anything else before we move into pairings? I don't think so. I think that's it. So we, with our book club books, we always like to offer a pairing of, we'll, we'll offer a pairing and we'll, <laughs> sorry guys, I'm, I'm a little tired here. Uh, we, will, we offer our pairings and then we'll also talk a little bit about using this in the classroom. So who wants to start with pairings? I can start. <laughs> I, full disclosure, I had one book written, and as we talked, I was like, nope, I'm changing. <laughs> so, 
I feel, feel confident about talking about this book though. So I think a great pairing for this is I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter by Erica Sanchez. If you have been following along, you know this was our a book club book uh, almost at the beginning of the podcast, yeah. so a year and a half ago probably. But what this book is not about food, but what I like about these both of these books and why I think they're a great pairing and would make great literature circle possibilities is that these are both about young women who are finding their way in uh, in a world that is kind of stacked up against them. And they both have these trips, uh, the main character and I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter, Julia. Mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah, it's been a, it's been a little while, but Julia, like, she, yeah. she goes on this transformative trip to Mexico to see mm. her family. Yeah. And she, she leaves one person and then comes back another and she just learned all this stuff about herself and on the trip. And I think that Imani, she takes the trip to, to Spain and she finds something out about herself and she is transformed by that trip. And they both, I think that, that even though they have quite different experiences and they're quite different characters, they both are strong and mm-hmm. they are navigating things that are really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, I think that they make a real, this makes a really good pairing. I'm very proud of myself because I was struggling <laughs> with the pairing for this. But as we spoke, I was like, oh, here we go. I know what I want to talk That's about. Great. So, yeah. so mine is I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter by Erica Sanchez. So my pick is Roselle Lim's Natalie Tan's Book of Luck and Fortune. So before the podcast started, Ashley and I were talking about Like Water for Chocolate, which is another book that is very focused on cooking and has magical realism. So in that book, the I don't remember the main character's name. Are you talking about Like Water for Chocolate? Uh-huh. Anyway, as she cooks, her emotions are sort of cooked into the meal and everyone else feels it. That happens to a lesser extent in with the fire on high, but it definitely happens. And the same thing happens in Natalie Tan's book of luck and fortune. And so I think that that connects all three. So in Natalie Tan's book of luck and fortune, Natalie Tan returns to her home because of her mother's death in San Francisco's Chinatown. And she has wanted to be a chef but was not able to get through a traditional program. And so she just sort of traveled on her own to learn more about cooking and cooking specifically with her heritage in mind. And so that part really reminded me of With the Fire on High. She, her grandmother owned a restaurant and left a series of recipes oh. designed to affect people's emotions. And so she decides that she's going to fix this failing neighborhood in Chinatown by cooking just the right foods to, like, take care of people's problems and things ensue. I really want to read that. (laughs) It's good. I will say I picked it up thinking it was going to be more of a romance, and that was my least favorite part of it. The part I liked was seeing Natalie get in touch with who she was and come to embrace these recipes that her grandmother had left behind and just to understand who her grandmother was and also who her mother was. So she's sort of like skipped a generation kind of idea. And so she has always felt very distant from her mother. But then to see her connect to both generations through these foods was really nice. So I love that part of it. So yeah, I think 
thema maybe thematically there are some connections and obviously there are some obvious connections between those books. So that's Roselle Limbs and that's L-I-M, Natalie Tan's Book of Luck and Fortune. I want to read that. Yeah, that sounds great. So I also was unsure about appearing <laughs> for this one. And so this, this one is not particularly food related, which I guess is why I feel like it's a bit different. But I do think it has some connections. So I would like to talk about Jade Chang's The Wings Versus the World. And that is a book about a family. So I think the thing that it really has in common is that there's a major event that happens that significantly impacts the family. And then they have to find themselves in light of this major event. So I feel like just like for Imani, who has Emma, and then Emma really changes her life, in this situation, the family has a fortune. They're extremely wealthy. And then the father, they're a Chinese family. They've moved to America. Father is extremely wealthy. The children are teenagers and older. And so, you know, in like, you know, in their 20s. And so then it's like the fallout of this major thing that then impacts all of them and really changes their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's this attempt of each of them to find themselves in their kind of footing in this world that suddenly is very different. So there's that part. And then I think also in this one, all of the kids have, they are influenced by their Chinese heritage, but they grew up in America. And so it's that also this feeling of learning your identity and your family's identity being different, just like Buela's identity is in some ways mm -hmm. different than Amani's. But Amani is trying to both find her place, who is proud of Philly, who's proud of her heritage, but also as a Puerto Rican, and who is connecting to this place mm -hmm. that her family is from, but is not um, you know, but that she does not know herself in the way that her family does. And so I think that that part is really rich in The Wings versus the World. And so I think that there's some connection there. I also think that kind of the levity of the book, so it's a heavy situation in their circumstances as well. But like with The Fire on High, I think that even though it is a heavy situation it's written in a way that's relatively light the characters mm -hmm. are doing their best they're trying to make the right choices and so i think in that in that way it's similar as well so again that's jade chang's the wings versus the world and i thoroughly enjoyed that book i want to read that too that's been on my list for a while that's great i've had that ebook forever and it's on my horrible <laughs> And well, that, you can I, go I went, shopping in your. I, was, <laughs> I did. I did go shopping in my Kindle closet, and I found it. And I was like, "Oh, I can read that." And you know, if I went through it in Kindle, that's a good sign yeah. for a book because those ones tend to burn slowly for me. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the classroom a little bit. What do you all think about with the fire on high in class? I, I well, I said it when I was talking about. My pairing. I think that this would make a great literature circle mm -hmm. option, especially if we're if you're trying to focus on strong female characters. Mm -hmm. If you're ta if you're talking about cultural differences, I think that would be great. And I think that uh, this with I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter mm -hmm. and a maybe a couple other choices, which I can't pull out at the top of my head. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, but I think that 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 could be really powerful to talk. I think it's important for us to show both boys and and girls strong female mm -hmm. characters mm -hmm. who are facing 
you know, tribulations, but are able to make good choices and are able to uh, rise above expectations. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important because mm -hmm. I think often and young men who are, you know, in the stories who are supporting the women and I just feel like there is a need right now to show that that yeah. that that women are strong and young women are strong and that there are young men who support those strong mm -hmm. women. So. Yeah, and healthy relationships. Because yes. I think that's what I love about her with Malachi mm -hmm. is it's such a healthy relationship. And like you said, their whole conversation about sex, I mean, I think it's a nice example of consent mm -hmm. and talking with your partner about what's best for each of you and like all those things. So yeah, I, I think that's a great point about kind of some of the things that maybe are a little more subtle in the book but yeah. that you really could bring out in class discussion mm -hmm. yeah you, i agree about the lit circle i i do think i don't know that every reader would love this book right mm -hmm. and so i think offering it as a i think it would be appropriate to teach whole class but i mm -hmm. just don't know that everyone would connect with it strongly so yeah i think lit circle would be a great choice yeah mm -hmm. it, it's i can't think of anything that would keep be from using it in a classroom, really. Right. I think it would be excellent. I it has some great passages you could pull just to to examine the writing. Yeah, and, and the like if you want to do it with a poet X, mm -hmm. I think that could be neat to have different groups read mm -hmm. her style. I think it would be nice to talk about like the audio book, like the way. Yes. That would be nice to talk about listening to a book versus reading it on the page, and what makes a book strong in both formats. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think. I think it'd be a great choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were wondering if we had anything else to tell yeah. you about I'm it beyond my circles. wheels a little bit. <laughs> I do think that it could be, like you said, Sarah, about strong female lead. It could be about heritage, but I also think that you could do them about food. Mm -hmm. And it would yeah. be real, that would be really interesting to have different books that center on food. Oh, yeah. And, there's a, you know, then you could have a wide range of things, but just talking about the the importance of food in, in culture, mm -hmm. the importance of food in our lives, and there, are, you know, and then you could pick a really wide range of books. And you could have nonfiction. You could have nonfiction. That's mm -hmm. what I was thinking too. Is you know, you could talk about. You could have people research their genealogy yeah. and connect to their own That's food, and then you could have a food day. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I, I have to say that when I thought that, I was like, ooh, this would be a prime uh -huh. time for them to, they could use some and of the recipes love in the books. Yeah, and, they do. I, and so do and we. So do the yeah. teachers. <laughs> That'd be yeah. really great. Yeah. yeah. So I think that would be fun and would be a nice way to hit it on a really wide range mm -hmm. of interests, but still be able to have some really great discussions about some of the social issues that we talked about in the right. book as well. So mm. I like that idea. Yeah. Have you all read, sorry, this one keeps popping in my head. Have you read The Pregnancy Project? I have. Mm -hmm. I, would that make a good lit circle pairing? Um, I have that at my house to read, but I have not read it yet. I have it. I, we, I actually read, this is going to be a tangent a little bit, but I actually read The Pregnancy Project when I, I had a girls group when I taught eighth grade with another teacher. We did, it was called Celebrating Strong Young Women. And we read as a group The Pregnancy mm -hmm. Project. And it's it's nonfiction. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, I think that actually that could be a really interesting pairing. It's a little bit different in that, I don't know. I don't want to give spoilers, but the you could definitely talk about how young women are treated when they when they become pregnant mm -hmm. as a teenager. That you could discuss that, but both the situation of the girl and the pregnancy project and Amani's situation are vastly different. Mm -hmm. But but I mean, it it could be a good lit circle choice for mm -hmm. sure. And there are some overlapping themes and things that you could discuss. So yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I was thinking when when you were listing books, Sarah, that is Isabel Quintero's Gabby Agron pieces oh, would be yeah. a great pairing for a lot of yeah for a lot, a lot of the things you said earlier. And then I also keep thinking related to um, pregnancy that Far from the Tree, which we also talked oh, about on yes, the podcast before, yes. Robin Benway's Far from the Tree, that that is another one that would pair nicely, hits on a lot of mm-hmm. different issues, but has enough overlap to where it could work with Lit Circles too. Mm-hmm. So, And we can share more ideas as we think of them. I yes. feel sure that there are other books back in the back of our brains, <laughs> but... <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for, did either of you want to say anything else, ladies? No. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Let us know what you think. Join us on Instagram at Unabridged Pod for the discussion about the book this month. We look forward to talking with you and hearing your thoughts. Thanks again for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.